0: Hello fellow gamers and welcome to the first episode of Next Level, the gaming podcast that will satisfy you. I hope everyone is keeping safe in lockdown and with this coronavirus crisis and I hope you're all okay. So today, we are going to be talking about two hot topics that are dominating the world of gaming, the PS5 versus the Xbox Series X, and how other consoles are lacking compared to Microsoft and Sony's offerings. So getting straight into it, we finally have hard details about the PS5 versus the Xbox Series X. Both new consoles will deliver up to 8K resolutions, which is crazy, high frame rates, powerful processors, and speedy SSDs, that's a lot of alliteration. But if the PS4 and Xbox One are anything to go by, the two consoles may not be all that similar beyond that. Which of the two systems will be a superior gaming machine, and which of them will offer the better library? That's what we hope to answer. While we can't say anything definitively until the consoles come out, there's a lot that we can learn from the information we have so far. Here's how the PS5 and Xbox Series X stack up on paper. Their prices are to be decided, and their release dates are hoping to be October to December time, so the holiday season. They both have key exclusives that excite anyone in the gaming world. For PS5, there's an expansion and a sequel to the Spider-Man PS4 game, which was a big hit called Spider-Man Miles Morales. Also, a game for the racing community, Gran Turismo 7, which I'm hoping will be just as good as the others, with graphics and gameplay unmatched by any other game, maybe Forza. For Xbox Series X, there's Halo Infinite, which is with its crazy soundtrack, and other games that are to be announced. Backwards compatibility are both advantages for both consoles. Almost all PS4 games, including optimized PS4 Pro titles, will be available to play on the PS5. Now, this is big news because everyone knows that when a new console comes out, you've got to pay for the games and then that takes up a lot of money. But with this, you could take your PS4 games that you know and love and play them on a better console, a better gaming machine same with the xbox series x except it goes back even more with xbox one games xbox 360 games and original xbox games that is crazy and backwards compatibility i'm hoping is going to get even better they have both got similar cpus and similar gpus but the storage differs with the ps5 825 gigabytes in its ssd but with the xbox series x one terabyte in the SSD of theirs, the resolution, as I said before, 8K, frame rate up to 120 frame rates per second, which is nuts. So let's get the bad news out of the way first, neither the PS5 nor the Xbox Series X has a confirmed price yet, the PS4 launched at £300, while the Xbox One launched at £400. But remember that those consoles launched seven years ago in a very, very different market. Sony had to recover lost ground from the PS3, while Microsoft believed it had a machine that would fundamentally change the media landscape on its hands. Most rumours and experts' put, analysis put both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X around $400, £400 even, but the truth is, is that there's no way to know for sure until the companies make official announcements. We have a more solid handle on release dates however, Microsoft and Sony both intend to launch their consoles during the 2020 holiday season. The Xbox Series X has a few exciting exclusive titles planned as well, including Halo Infinite. However, it's worth pointing out that every Xbox Series X exclusive game will also be available on PC, as has been Microsoft's habit for the last few years. We also know quite a few PS5 exclusives, including Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ratchet & Clank, Horizon Forbidden West. At present, these titles appear to be true PS5 exclusives, meaning you won't be able to play them on PC. On the one hand, the Xbox Series X has an edge on exclusive titles, since you don't necessarily need to own an Xbox console to play them. On the other hand, the PS5 may have an edge for the exact opposite reason, it depends on whether you think console exclusives are good or bad, and whether you own a gaming PC. If you examine what I said before about graphics, you can see that the Xbox Series X has slightly more powerful specs. Whether the Xbox Series X will necessarily deliver slightly better performance in graphics than the PS5 is hard to say. First, let's take a look at the hardware involved. There doesn't seem to be a tremendous difference between the CPUs, although the Xbox Series X's is slightly faster. The GPU power though, 10.3 teraflops for the PS5, But 12 teraflops for the Xbox Series X, a big difference. For those of you who don't know, a teraflop refers to how many operations per second a piece of hardware can handle. But remember too, that just because a GPU offers 12 teraflops of computing power, that doesn't necessarily mean that every single game will take full advantage of them. It also depends how well a game is optimised, particularly third-party games that will have to offer relative parity between their PS5 and Xbox Series X versions. The SSDs may also have a big effect on game performance, since both consoles will come with built-in SSDs Games should load much faster than before, but so far, only Sony has provided concrete details about how quickly its SSD could load games, and how the PS5 compares to SSDs currently on the market. For the moment, we'll say that both systems seem quite powerful, and the Xbox Series X has a potential edge, especially when it comes to rendering graphics. Now, design. The Xbox Series X has a fairly conservative design, Microsoft's next console will resemble a vertical PC tower, with a sleek black chassis and a small tasteful Xbox logo in the top left corner. There's a disc drive on the front of the console as well, the whole thing looks pleasantly geometrical, and you'll also be able to position it horizontally in case your entertainment space doesn't have enough vertical space. The PS5 design is drastically different. Revealed at the PS5 Games Showcase on June the 11th, which had loads and loads of views, the PS5 looks like a rounded black rectangle surrounded by two white fins that almost converge in a triangular pattern. Notably, the PS5 will also be available in two different configurations, a standard version with a disc drive and a digital edition without one. Naturally you'll be able to play physical titles on the former, but not on the latter. It will be difficult to say which console looks better until we can see them side by side in a physical space. For the moment the Xbox Series X looks more traditional, while the PS5 looks more experimental. Which one you prefer will depend almost entirely on your own preferences. As I said before and talked about backwards compatibility, both Sony and Microsoft have been very open about how backwards compatibility will work on their systems. At present, the Xbox Series X appears to have more robust options, but the PS5 should have plenty of older games to play as well. Microsoft has promised that every Xbox One game will be compatible with the Xbox Series X, that's a big promise and that could actually push them forward in the console race. Furthermore, Microsoft's smart delivery system ensures that if you buy an Xbox One game that's also available on the Xbox Series X, you'll automatically get the Xbox Series X version once you upgrade your console, a great great advantage. Additionally, a handful of select Xbox 360 and original Xbox games will also work with the system. Another potential benefit of the Xbox Series X is that it will run as many uh, backwards compatible games better than their original systems could. Big advantage. Microsoft has committed to upscaling some favorite old titles, making them run at 4K resolution or up to 120 frames per second frame rates. While it's not clear yet which games will get this treatment, it's safe to say that at least a handful of old games that everyone loves will look and play better than ever before. Sony's approach is a little less concrete, I may say, the PS5 will use a software to run PS5 game, PS4 5 ps games on the PS5. Games that were optimised for the PS4 Pro will still have their enhancements in place, but because the software is sort of a catch-all application, not every title is guaranteed to work equally well. Sony has stated that most of the top 100 PS4 games by playtime run very well on the PS5 so far and should be available for launch emphasis on the word should, but we're not yet sure whether Sony will release backwards compatible games or let users try anything and see what works. In any case, it's not quite as inclusive as what Microsoft has promised, a win for the Xbox there. This section will be a little speculative as neither Microsoft nor Sony has outlined exact plans for their game streaming services on next-gen consoles, but both companies have cloud gaming infrastructure in place, and it's silly to think that they would toss all of those resources out the window by the end of the year. PS Now is Sony's game streaming service, for a flat subscription fee from £6 to £10 a month. Players can stream and occasionally download a variety of PS2, 3 and 4 hits, up to and including beloved exclusives. I imagine that the PS5 will also offer PS Now options, although whether it will ever stream PS5 games is harder to say. You can stream PS Now games to a PC as well, although it doesn't work with smartphones, streaming players or smart TVs. Microsoft's Project xCloud is arguably a more ambitious technology, which could mean that promises could be broken, although it's still in beta, so we'll have to wait and see whether it lives up to its promise. This cloud gaming platform lets users stream a variety of Xbox games to their Android or iOS devices. There's also the Xbox Game Pass £10 per month program, which lets users download more than 200 games to their Xbox One consoles. I have to assume that this program will continue to exist on the Xbox Series X, perhaps even with Xbox Series X titles in its library. If this technology works together with the supposed Project xCloud, it could give Microsoft an absolutely huge edge in the subscription marketplace. Hopefully we'll learn more about concrete details from subscriptions later. Now talking about virtual reality, which for some is an expensive entertainment, but for others is a great way to play games. I used to have a Google Daydream and I used to love it whenever I used to put it on my head and play amazing games, I remember one I was in the helicopter and I, I got dizzy and I felt sick, I, I couldn't believe it. So one area where the PS5 has a clear advantage over the Xbox Series X is in VR. The PS5 will be fully compatible with the PlayStation VR headset and presumably the PSVR library of games. At the same time, there may also be a new PSVR headset in the works for the PS5, at least eventually. Microsoft, on the other hand, has no plans for an Xbox Series X VR headset, we never got one for the Xbox One either, suggesting that Microsoft may not be terribly interested in this kind of technology, but it depends on the person, this could frustrate you, or you just might not care, it depends on how invested you are in VR tech. It's important to remember that while we now have a respectable amount of info on both consoles, we've yet to get any hands on time with either one. We don't have solid launch libraries, we don't have prices, we don't have release dates, and we don't really know how games will play once they're in our hands. Without those, we cannot determine which system will win the console war, if either. Remember that if a console is profitable and well received by customers, it hasn't really lost anything. However, the Xbox Series X, in my opinion, does look a little better, at least on paper. It has more powerful hardware, better compatibility, backwards compatibility, and an attractive design. Also, the idea of Project xCloud has the potential to be more comprehensive than PS Now. For the moment though, I would recommend not rushing out to pre-order either machine, there's still lots to play on the PS4 and Xbox One, and we still want to learn a little more about each system's library and capabilities at launch. Now moving on to how other consoles lack or Excel compared to the PS4 and Xbox One. Nintendo, The Nintendo Switch kind of lags behind its competitors in raw power, but makes up for it in form factor. The Switch is a small tablet rather than a bigger blocky console, and you can play it on the go with this built-in 720p screen. The compromise comes in a resolution that tops out at 1080p when connected to a TV, and generally poorer performance in terms of frame rates and effects than the PS4 and Xbox One. You need a good gamepad to play games, and both the Xbox One and PS4 have them. The PS4's controller, the DualShock 4, takes the best parts of the DualShock 3 and fixes the worst. The Xbox One gamepad is also excellent with Bluetooth connectivity and easy compatibility with PCs. The the Nintendo Switch is a very unique case, it works both as a home console and a handheld, with two Joy-Con controllers that connect wirelessly to the system or snap onto the slides when you want to play on the go. They generally feel good, though the direction buttons on the left Joy-Con aren't nearly as responsive or or comfortable as the more conventional direction pads on the DualShock 4 Xbox One controllers. The Joy-Cons though, pack some remarkable tech into their small cases, including an infrared camera, an NFC reader for Nintendo's amiibo figures, and the most precise rumble effect we've seen yet. You can also use the Joy-Cons in a gamepad-like grip, or with one in each hand for an incredibly free and comfortable gaming experience. Also, third-party controllers is growing in the gaming world. The PS4 and Xbox One are very dedicated to their first-party gamepads, with only a few third-party wired options available, unless you want to shell out a significant amount of money for a scuff or evil controllers product. The Switch features the first-party option of the excellent Switch Pro controller, which is very similar to the Xbox One wireless controller, and works with third-party gamepads from other third-party companies. The ability to switch out your Joy-Cons for a Pro 8-bit DOE 3rd party controller or a first party Switch Pro controller is a huge advantage, along with the sheer flexibility afforded by the Joy-Cons themselves. The biggest gains from 3rd party publishers like EA and Activision are almost all cross platform, so it comes down to which exclusives appeal to you more. Currently, the PS4 has the better library of exclusives between the two. This will obviously depend on your taste though. And then there's Nintendo, which tends to run almost purely on exclusives. Mario, Zelda, Link, these are all pure gold, and Super Mario Odyssey and The Legend of Zelda are two of the best games in their respective series. Add Super Smash Bros, Ultima, Mario plus Rabbids, and the clever Nintendo Labo sets, and you have a lot of Nintendo-only games. The the trade-off is that fewer current AAA games, or the best games like Call of Duty, Doom, Skyrim, Wolfenstein, and others, aren't playable on Nintendo. The Switch has proven to be an advantage for third-party publishers and indie developers too. The ability to play nearly any game in either home console or handheld mode breathes new life into older and smaller titles that were previously limited to TV-based series. If that isn't enough, the system has received an explosion of excellent indie games, including Undertale and Dead Cells. It's a fantastic selection for a system that's been around for less than two years. Now don't forget that you can let me know which console is your favourite by leaving me a voice message on the Anchor app and if you're lucky I might even play it in the next episode. Talking about the next episode, our next episode will be on Wednesday, we'll be talking about Apex Legends with my sister Yasmin, we'll be doing the top 3 characters, top 3 weapons and then talking about the Apex Quest now that they've finished, what does it say about season 6. And don't forget, if you haven't finished the quest, do not listen to Wednesday's episode or you'll be pleasantly annoyed. I have been Ali Suleiman and this is Next Level for The Gamer.